Greg here. This episode, we have Jamie Varney revealing all of the secrets on how to play the resurrectionist master Albus von Stuck and his Transmortis crew. He also exposes how to effectively play against them. Before we jump in, our friends at Gadzooks Gaming have a sweet offer for all of our U.S. and Canadian listeners. Now, Gadzooks Gaming has always been a big supporter of The Third Floor and games like Malifaux, Wild West Exodus, Dark Age, Frostgrave, and Legion. But what makes them my favorite online retailer is their customer service and their amazing custom terrain and accessories. They're giving all of our North American listeners free shipping if you spend $100 or more and then enter in the promo code THIRDFLOOR. That's one word, T-H-I-R-D-F-L-O-O-R. Check them out at gadzooksgaming.com. The details are in the show notes. Now on to the episode. He has got so much going on. He's got an answer for most situations. It's just remembering it all. So that's how they're supporting him. Can we dig a little bit deeper? You hinted at it, how he's supporting them. So he's he's sort of one of Reza's summoners, but he goes about summoning in a really weird way. The undergraduate, however, which isn't quite as tanky, is a key, key hire. Now, the Gravedigger actually interacts really interestingly with Albus. So there are loads of random, unexpected scheme markers coming out when you're playing against the Transmorsis. So you've got Hirai is just an amazing second master in any matchup. Can you give a little bit of uh, breadcrumbs to the people out there that might be facing Albus and uh, what they should maybe consider doing to mitigate um, all that power? than stepping away from the screens, unplugging and sitting around a table to do battle with your friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars brings you the latest strategies, tactics, and reviews on board games, card games, and miniature games like Malifaux. If you want useful information on the games you already play, or new insights on great games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today we're going to do a deep dive into the Resurrectionist Master Albus von Stuck and how he and the Transmortis crew work in Malifaux 3rd Edition. Now, my guest today is Jamie Varney. Now, you might know him as one of the key members of the Flippin' Weirds coming out of the UK, and some might argue that he's the best Reser player in the UK and possibly the world. He's been running Albus several times throughout the beta, and he's ready to give us his insights. Jamie, welcome to the third floor, and can you give us a little bit of an idea of uh, kind of your background and how you found Malifaux? Yeah, hi, Craig. Um, so, well, I found Malifaux after the death of Warhammer, actually, like a lot of people, I think, uh, looking for a new game and uh, a few of the group moved on to Malifaux and it was just just took my interest I went straight into Rezzers with Seamus and went from there really we started off pretty casual with it but quickly picked up tournaments and how did the flipping weirds come to like be a thing um <laughs> mostly because we wanted to start going to events and then we really wanted like t-shirts and like a club name and it just went from there 
we we wanted we wanted a logo and then we needed a name to have a logo and to have team shirts and that got decided on by the group so uh from there we uh started getting all our merch and we went a bit merch crazy <laughs> that's cool and i guess the last question before we jump in is uh do you think the uh podcast will be come back to life now that we're going to have a new release uh it's super well we we do want to do it it's just fitting it into our sort of limited hobby time because yeah. we're all so excited about m3 at the moment every time we get together we end up playing games rather than recording a podcast that's that totally understandable. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are excited though, because uh, when I'm getting the feeling that uh, overall there's some a decent amount of hype on your side of the pond. Yeah, it's definitely picking up. We're seeing plenty of returning players that we haven't seen for a while, and new players coming as well. So it's it's picking up slowly. I think uh, there's a lot of people waiting for the actual physical game to release, which is fair enough. I couldn't wait till then. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Albus von Stuck. Um, now, of course, he is new to this edition. We did not ever see him as a master before. We saw his crew um, in the Transmortis as a you know um, as a box, and you could you play him in resers. But he is pretty new. So, Jamie, can you give us an idea, kind of the style or type of master he is? It's um, it's a bit of an odd one with Albus. Actually, I, I feel he does a bit of everything, um, but not in a way. Quite often, I don't really like models that do a bit of everything because they feel a bit unfocused. But Albus seems to be able to compete in all the different things he's trying to do. Um, he's a, I guess if you were to, to put a label on it, maybe a support blaster. Um, okay. He's he's doing so, he can do so much and change gears so quickly with his turn. Um, he's got the ability to buff his crew with focus, little bits of movement, uh, condition removal. He's got the ability to blast out and put injured onto enemy models um he does some interesting ability buffs and debuffs as well on the front of his card there is a lot going on on albus yeah and i've kind of noticed in three in general you know you know of course they consolidated the conditions down to um with 11 or 12 i think but as a result we're seeing a lot more conditions um coming out have you noticed that yeah so you see the volume. more part of the game yeah. yeah, so the volume of attacks and the volume of models that put out upgrades, I feel is definitely, uh, not upgrades, uh, conditions, I feel has definitely gone up. But the, the, yeah, the number of overall conditions has come down. They just come up more frequently. Right, yeah. Um, so now mechanically speaking, you, you know, you hinted these, you, you got the blaster aspect of them, the support aspect of them. Is there kind of a key mechanic, um, that, uh, is a, kind of a signature for Albus? So he's, he's sort of one of Reza's summoners, but he goes about summoning in a really weird way. So he puts an upgrade onto a friendly model with a bonus action, um, which allows that model to, after killing an enemy model, discard the upgrade to summon a friendly transmortis minion of an equal cost or less to the model that was killed. So he he is he does have summoning in the crew, not that he does it directly, but enables it. Mm-hmm. Um the that's that's probably the the hang his hat on sort of what what the idea behind him and what was just the description of him initially in the the sort of information we got from Weird. But in the game actually that doesn't come up as often as you you think it would. And what actually comes up more is his First turn, he's doing the support, the movement. He'll give something fast. He'll give mo- loads of the models around him focused and push them around a little bit. And then he just changes gear as soon as you hit sort of turn two, turn three at the latest into this support blaster who's putting injured out, who's moving conditions around off of your models and enemy models. 
So he's yeah, he, he changes as the game goes on. On average, how many times do you think you see summoning happening in your average game? You're doing it once, twice, maybe ha- only happening half the games. Once, once on average, I would say plenty of games it just doesn't happen. Um, Got it. And if it if you get more than one, that game's already massively in your favor. Got it. Got it. So it's a win more a little bit at that point. It is a little bit, yeah. Now, how about uh, let's talk a little about his blasting here, his offensive capabilities. So he's got. A range 10, 2, 3, 4 damage with a blast on every single step, and it gives out injured to models damaged by it. It's phenomenal. Um, with the, the transmortis generally relying on triggers to get the real damage through on their attacks, the, the ability to lower the stats of your opponent and give you the opportunity to cheat in that lower card you had with the right suit is amazing. And if your opponent is unwise enough as to bunch up a couple of models he can put some real hurt on them and the injured stacking up just adds insult to injury he's also got with the probably worth mentioning the keyword ability which is the uh, studied opponent that once per activation when any of the transmortis models have a suit the same in their jewel as the opponent's jewel including built-in suits they get to draw a card at the end of that action so he's got two built-in suits there for that as well. And you're seeing that on a couple of his models too, where you, you know, you, your target number may only have one suit, but it's coming with two suits and they may not even be referencing a trigger, but that's to increase your chances of getting that match, I would assume. Absolutely, yeah. So Albus has got two suits built in, neither of which provide him with a trigger, but just help to activate that studied opponent during duels. Very cool. Um, how about defensive tech? Um, how's, how's he staying alive? A few different ways, mostly by not being in danger. Um, he's not really, he's got no melee attack. He's got no interest in being that close to enemy models. However, he does want to shirk around sort of six inches from the action. He's got academic superiority, which um, is really cool. Actually, it turns off and basically stops any upgrades working within six inches, any enemy upgrades, um, except for insignificant. So if there's any abilities or actions on the upgrades don't work except for insignificant which is, given the power of some of the upgrades in M3, phenomenal. Um, he's also got Seen It All, which means he can't gain the stun condition. Really useful for oh, a model nice. that relies on so many triggers to, to do what he's doing. And then he's got a defense and willpower built in called Disarming, which uh, if the enemy model doesn't, rely, uh, doesn't declare a trigger, he reduces the damage suffered by two. Which, if you remember anyone who played M2E and remembers lecture notes, mm-hmm. they more or less, the crew, the students, and Valedictorian have the same ability to turn off the ability for the opponent to use trigger by giving them stunned. So it's quite easy to make that happen. Got it. Got it. it so the, the crew is enabling his defensive tech um, in that way. Yeah, in multiple ways, to be honest, because the crew is standing in front of him. Um, right. But it's also, yeah, the getting stunned on opponent's models so that they can't declare triggers against Albus keeps him safe. So that's how they're supporting him. Can we dig a little bit deeper? You hinted at it, how he's supporting them. He's supporting them in so many ways, in a couple of surprising ways. So I think if we look at how he's supporting them in sort of an offensive way, he's he's got administrative review, which allows him to end any number of conditions on a friendly model, which is really important when you re- remember how he summons, um, with a built-in trigger to heal the target one. And if they have an attached upgrade, give them fast. So mm. he's obviously... Remember that he's attaching upgrades to allow summoning. So if you put an upgrade on one of your models turn one to to give them the summoning upgrade, he can then make that model fast. Um, if you summon a model that's then going to come in slow with an attached upgrade because they attach an upgrade after they're summoned, he can do that attack on them to end any number of conditions, so end slow, 
with a built-in trigger to then give them fast, which is a massive swing on that salmon model. Yeah, I would imagine so. And you know, the, obviously, the bigger the model that's that's killed, the better the minion you're bringing in. Absolutely, and he's got some pretty beefy minions that he can bring in with this. Very cool. I kind of like how that those upgrades are more than just um, just a summoning mechanic. That he's able to leverage having those upgrades out there. So even in those games that you talked about, where you never got a summon off, I would you were probably still getting those upgrades out there and still leveraging to get fast. Absolutely. I mean, there's always there's always a case where a master's AP may or may not be worth an AP on another model, but it is an, it's a nice tool to have. And if you're trading a slow for a fast on a model, then that's definitely a good trade. So, Jamie, think about the uh, learning curve. So for someone who you know puts Albus down for the first time and then puts him down for the 10th or 15th time, Fifteenth time, what did you see as kind of the change in how you used and looked at uh, Albus over that over the course of five, ten, fifteen games? So, so, so many changes. I'll be honest. I sat down to read the card again tonight before we did this, and realized that I forgot two key things in the last game that he does on his card that would have made it a much easier game for me. <laughs> and actually, he has got so much going on. He's got an answer for most situations. It's just remembering it all. Right, um, and I think just you know you're you're never going to remember everything he does in the first few games, and he does have like the example from the game I played was I came up against a, a fire golem a, against the Keris crew who had a ridiculous amount of burning stacked on it, um, and then it had the um, arcanist upgrade that gives it concealment. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a real headache for me, but actually I forgot that Albus turns off the upgrade, which would have made a massive difference, and he also has a built-in trigger on the condition removal that does uh, removes the condition, then the other built-in trigger does damage equal to the condition removed. So actually, oh. I would have that, that fire golem would have been easy easy work for Albus. Yeah, he would have been ashes <laughs> pretty quick with sitting there yeah. with, uh, with burning 10. And what a reversal on a fire golem, because the reason he's at burning 10 is that's his armor, if I remember correctly. Exactly, exactly. So there's also, Albus and his crew play a lot around with schemes that you don't imagine they do. Um, so he's got a, a sort of board wide ability that if he's the crew leader, when a friendly transmortis model kills an enemy model, he can drop a scheme marker in base contact with a killed model. I was going to say he also has a trigger on his blast attack to drop a scheme marker in base contact with each corpse or scrap within two of the target and then remove those corpse and scrap. He's also got a bonus action, which is familiar across a few of the crew members to target a corpse, corpse or scrap marker and then turn it into a scheme marker. So there are loads of random, unexpected scheme markers coming out when you're playing against the Transmortis. Yeah, a lot of efficiencies there too, because none of the things that you said aren't things you're going to be trying to do anyway, right? So you're not going out of your way to make that scheme marker drop. You're going to try to kill that model anyway, and you're you're getting a scheme marker as a result. Exactly, exactly. And then there's one last action on his card that we haven't talked about, which is a six-inch pulse he can do Um once per turn, which gives friendly Transmortis models within range focus plus one and allows them to push two inches in any direction. So again, it's another part of that setup and support. Probably something you're only doing in the early turns, because mm-hmm. once your crew's spread out a bit more, it's less useful. But Albus has got much better actions he wants to be doing later on in the game. But it's just, what a toolbox. This card is packed full of useful things. There's nothing on here you wouldn't use. Well, if, if, if you remember it, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds like the challenge, though, but um, I, I'm starting to get a sense of the flexibility that you're talking about and the ability that regardless of what is needed, um, 
he's got enough going on um, and those efficiencies that we talked about um, where I could see that making sense. So that's, that's cool. Um, and it definitely a lot different than what I was expecting, because like you had mentioned, weird initially introduced him as another summoner into Rezzers, but it sounds like there's a lot more going on than that. There's so much more going on than that. And the summoning is really, really, it's, it's, it's reliable and unreliable. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. So you've got to put this upgrade on a model that model then has to be the one that kills an enemy model of a cost enough to then allow you to summon a model. Um, and then there's there's a, a on the upgrade that it attaches, that model will suffer two damage unless it's within six inches of Albus and it gains slow. So there, there's just there's a lot, as opposed to a normal summoner and some of the other summoners in the game, there's so many hoops for Albus to jump through to summon. And when it goes off, you're trading a model for a model, which we all know from McMorning in the last edition is phenomenal. Yep. But it's not something you can rely on. It's not all he's got going on. And again, I'm getting the sense, Jamie, that that it's not dictating your process while you're playing the game. It sounds to me like if it happens, it happens. Um, but you're not going out of your way to make sure you jump through every one of those hoops. No, definitely not. I will. I, it will. It will influence my decisions for an opportunity. Um, so if an opportunity presents itself to do it, I'm going to take it. But I'm not going to make a bad decision in the hope of getting a model to then put myself in a good position that makes sense all right so that kind of gives us an idea of um what albus is doing we're going to take a quick break and we get back from the break i'm going to pick jamie's brain and talk about the process he goes through to build a transmortis crew we'll be right back Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. Okay, so we've got Albus covered. What I want to get a sense of now, Jamie, is do, do you have a core crew? So do you have some key models that make it into your crews 70 80% of the time, regardless of the pool? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Albus has got two henchmen in keyword. He's got Anna Lovelace and the Valedictorian. I will almost always take both of them, but Anna Lovelace wow. could be dropped. Valedictorian would never be dropped. And what are they bringing? Why, why, why do you consider you know both of them? Um, and why would you, of, of the two, only drop uh, Anna? Um, so Valedictorian's just consistent. She's hard to deal with. She does a fair bit of damage. Min damage two on a nine stone model at first seems a bit a bit ropey, but it's two, four, five, so it's got a decent higher track. She's stat seven on the attack with puncture and shove aside as the triggers. So extra damage or extra attacks there. She's got access to that cast seven lecture notes, which is great for putting stunned on opponents masters, which can be massive in some matchups. And I would imagine the injured um, that you talked about getting handed out makes that stat seven even more powerful. Absolutely. Um, she's got flurry on the front of her card. She's armor one. She's hard to wound. She's got 10 wounds. She is just quite hard to deal with, with the access to stones as well. And if you can get, if you put fast on her turn one, 
and she can get in if she can charge in on her second action she's going to charge attack if you can get a shove aside on there that's another attack and then if you can get a flurry as well so she's you get your money's worth out of valedictorian most turns yeah that's nice and and i guess pretty much fills that beater role um as your primary beater absolutely absolutely now anna's more of a support piece while she does do some good damage she got two four five melee attack with siphon life built in which so it's effectively min three damage but it is only stat five again mm. you're relying on that injured she's got a decent ranged attack and the ranged attack is more what you end up relying on anna for she's doing the ignore she's doing two three four damage ignoring friendly fire so if you can put that uh summon upgrade onto anna she can become the finisher um which is a bit more reliable it means you can do the damage elsewhere in the crew and then just go in with Anna when you know that the opponent's model's got one or two wounds left and Anna can do it in one hit. Does she have the anti-movement stuff that we saw in uh, the last edition? Absolutely, she does. So she's got gravity well, which means enemy models cannot be placed within six inches of her. She's also got a hostile work environment, which can be really nice, meaning enemy models within six may not be targeted by the actions of other enemy models. Yeah. So depending on what you're facing, if you're facing an obey master or many other of the support masters, it's going to really shut them down. Is there anybody else that you bring in to do damage other than um, the Valdatorian? So I do sometimes bring one of the other students, depending on what I'm facing. If if you know you're going to be facing armor, you'll bring student of steel all the time with the built-in ignore armor. All the students have got a decent damage track. They've all got decent stats. They've all got access to lecture notes. They are all tanky beaters, tanky mid-level beaters. Um, the, the undergraduate, however, which isn't quite as tanky, is a key key hire so in the molly podcast you talked a lot about by your side it's another model with the by your side ability nice um but it also marries that up with made to kill which is an ability that a few models have got but it allows into once per activation after this model is placed it may take a claw action after resolving the current action so if you buy your side to one of your friendly models you then get to hit for free because of made to kill you then have the rest of your action activation to do whatever you want to do with it I'm getting a feeling of a lot of efficiencies now. All the efficiencies that you talked about with Albus and the scheme marker dropping and what you get, you know, for doing what you're going to do anyway. And then that as well. Um, yeah, it's starting to make sense to me now. That's that's very cool. There's a lot of efficiency in the crew. So if we look at the undergraduates a bit more, if you think about if you summon an undergraduate, it's going to summon, place, attack. That's That's a different activation. Then when it activates, it could buy your side to place an attack again and then go about its activation. There's a there's just efficiency there. There's free active free actions. I wouldn't have even thought of about the fact that the summons a place. That make that's really cool. Yeah, it is. It's very cool. There's um you've also got if you there's other things you can marry it up with like um ride with me or fly with me for extra places outside of activations. Don't get me wrong, it's damage track and its attack isn't amazing. It's a two three five stat five. But free act, free actions when you're doing things you would be doing anyway are amazing. Yeah. So the, the undergraduates sit in a really weird half scheme runner, half beta place. But for six stones, they're fine for that. They've, they've got some cool abilities. They've obviously got access to the, stud, the studied opponent for some card draw as well. They've got another action as a bonus, which allows them to target a scrap or quartz marker to drop a scheme in it, another bit of scheme manipulation. And then they've got lead the way, which is always useful for some extra movement if you want to get valedictorian a bit further forward, turn one, or get someone out of trouble later in the game. It is now it sounds like that you could use them to run schemes. Is there other things you're hiring? Um, if it's a heavy, if it's a schemey pool, 
it depends on the schemes, and it, it more actually depends on the strats. So for Albus's schemes, you can take Killy schemes quite comfortable, quite comfortably, and you can take scheme marker schemes that are based around where the opponent's models are, and, and in a sort of section of the board you think you're going to be fighting in. If you're not, then you probably want to take Necropunks, which are, aside from the leap, more or less useless. Uh, they, <laughs> they are literally there to be a leaping scheme runner. And they do it really well. So they only need a six this edition, which is nice. Place this model anywhere within six inches. And it's got a move five. It's armor one with health wound, uh, health wounds, six health. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's going to stay around a bit longer than before as well. That's good. Um, how about some versatile models? Is there any versatile or maybe even out of keyword models you're bringing in? There's quite a few you can bring with Albus that work. I really like bone piles in a lot of crews. So Bone Piles are just a solid model. They do solid damage for their cost. They're pretty survivable for their cost, but they've also got a bonus action with a four-inch range that can either remove a condition or heal a model. So I've normally got a Bone Pile following Valedictorian around, Mm -hmm. keeping her healed up because the the crew doesn't... Although um, Albus does heal one when he gives a model fast, aside from that, there's not a lot of healing in the crew. And I know a lot of people rate the effigy for that, but... I think for two stones more, the bone pile can double walk and do it. It's It can attack and do it. It can do anything else it needs to do and still be healing as a bonus action with longer range than the effigy has. And it's not taking one of the bone piles actions because it's a free action. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Um, how about out of uh, out of keyword? So out of keyword, well, actually, so there is another. There's two more, actually, versatile models that are oh, really please. useful with Albus. Uh, so Sloth for fast. Fast on Valedictorian, fast on the students is always nice. Um, also, more healing. The, the crew is super tanky, so if you, the more healing you can get in that crew, the better. I quite often take two bone piles, but you could easily replace a bone pile with Sloth for an extra stone. And again, if you heal a model three and give it slow, Albus can rip that slow right off to put fast on it. Right. Um, so that's another nice interaction. Or you've got the Gravedigger. Now, the Gravedigger actually interacts really interestingly with Albus because of all the corpses it can drop. And the way that Albus's crew interacts with quartz markers, turning them into scheme markers, you can get scheme markers for detonate charges and stuff like that in really interesting places. You can get your scheme markers for dig their graves. And Albus's crew, Albus and Anna, when they're removing those scheme markers, are drawing cards. And the undergraduate has a trigger to draw a card on that as well. So again, it's more card draw, more scheme, more sideways scheme manipulation, which is something you really need to watch out for when you're playing against Albus. Yeah, and I would imagine, you know, depending on the pool, that's what would 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 decide whether that gravedigger makes it or not. Even if you aren't going to take the scheme, schemey schemes. Absolutely, but again, it's efficiency. So the gravedigger's putting a corpse down as a bonus action. Corpses are all over the board as a as a consequence of the the moves that you're making in the game, and you're putting those schemes down for effectively no real effort on your part. You're just doing them as as a as a sort of coincidence to the work you're doing elsewhere. So it's really it's really just benefits, and you can get some really interesting things done doing that. Out of keyword, Toshiro is a really interesting choice, depending on how student heavy you go. The plus flips to minions interact really nicely with the uh, minion level students and the undergraduates. Actually, if that undergraduate's getting four attacks in a turn, or the student steals getting loads of attacks, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, your Toshiro giving them all plus flips is a phenomenal investment. And actually, even if Toshiro gets killed, that upgrade just slaps onto something else and keeps it around. Yep. Yep. That's so, good. Toshiro's nice. He also summons, and you can, if you can get a 
Ashigaru on the board stood next to Albus to stop him being charged is always nice. Very cool. And Jamie, you mentioned it, um, the Molly podcast, and you and I had a uh, kind of a good conversation started, and I wanted to stop the conversation so we could talk about it here. You were uh, you were telling me you enjoyed uh, Steve's analysis of Molly, but uh, you disagreed with him about one model. Um, let's take a quick break and uh, talk about that. Let's. Uh, I want to hear what model you think uh, was underrated, according to Steve. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think it's been underrated in a few different places and for a few different people I've spoken to, and that is the Night Terror. The Night Terror is phenomenal. So actually, I've spoken to Steve about this since the podcast came out, but I think the Night Terror is a phenomenal model. I quite often hire two or three with Molly. The It's, it's again, action efficiency. So Molly Molly can make it discard a card. And where the Krulligan's got by your side to get it in a great place, by your side can make you make bad decisions with your non-minion models because right. Archie might to actually if you want that Krulligan somewhere where it's going to run a scheme that might not be where Archie wants to be Molly might want to spend her actions doing other things um, again the Rogue Necromancy might not want to be there people aren't taking Philip and the uh, Forgotten Marshal's really slow so actually mm-hmm. getting that Krulligan where he is Archie's your best bet for getting it up the board but is that what Archie wants to be doing um, whereas the Night Terror you can easily have a Night Terror move just a ridiculous distance across the board. So it can activate and walk five, say walk five again, which is you've got 10 inches there. Molly can walk up, do a bonus action to give it focus and make it discard a card, which is going to push five inches. She can then give it reactivate, making it discard a card to push another five inches. And then it's going to get a whole nother activation is a phenomenal model. And then it's got some amazing support abilities for the crew as well. It's got an aura that gives out concealment which is phenomenal for the crew. If your people are targeting Molly, it's going to give them double negs to hitting her, and it can defend the models around it. It's got n- negation aura as well, which keeps it alive. It's quite a survivable model. I think for five stones, you get a lot from the Night Terror. And that makes me happy because they were such a pain in the took us to paint. And then <laughs> when Steven said they're terrible models, I'm like, oh, <laughs> please tell me I didn't paint them for no reason. Uh, so you, you give me a little bit of hope. And then the other thing is, uh, for those of you that listened to the uh, interview that I did with uh, Matt from Weird, one of the designers, that was the big surprise for him is that the Night Terrors weren't uh, featured more in that Molly deep dive. I was listening to that and I was shouting at my phone. I was just like, I like them. I like them. They're really good. <laughs> I'll be honest, awesome. Krulligans are really good as well. I mean, I take Molly in a really heavy scheme game. And the last the last game at the Welsh GT, I took Molly and I took three Night Terrors and two Krulligans. And so it's the best of both worlds, but the Night Terrors definitely have a place. That's very cool. So back to Albus. Um, talk to me about... Um hiring second masters is there anybody that you bring in um and hire from uh to to help them so i don't and that's because i'm making a a conscious stand against second masters in competitive play um i like it as a mechanic i don't i don't think it's right for competitive play but there are some just disgusting things you can do with it um so you've got kirai is just an amazing second master in any matchup um she's with the ability to 
summon a Kirio without it use without it counting as her once a turn summon, without it attaching the upgrade that damages her. It means you get that totem for free effectively with her because she's bringing it in. Albus has got the card draw to support her summoning as well. Um, so you can easily get a, a Kirio and a Goyo out of Kirai turn one. And that is just a massive swing. Yeah, and that's a Kirio, huge. obviously, with her irreducible damage is a, a real force to be reckoned with anyway. Um, Molly's quite nice with anyone for the card draw, but I don't think Albus really needs it. And Seamus is obviously an, a phenomenal scheme runner, but again, I'm not sure I'm not sure Albus needs it. I think actually you might hire Kirai because she's just a filthy, filthy second master choice, but that'll be it. So your uh your refusal to use it during uh for competitive play that is that out of principle or you don't think it's worth the points? I, I, I do you know what in some instances it's not worth the points in some it is. What I think what it boils down to actually is there will be a selection of masters that will be excellent second masters in competitive play. Things like Lady J, Seamus, McCabe that activate very well independently. Um and they will they are probably too good. Mm-hmm. to be hired as second masters for competitive play and balance. Um, and then there are masters that rely more on their keyword, which will just never see play as second masters. So I I don't, I, I just don't like it in competitive play. I like it as a mechanic and for fun, but I think in competitive play it's too unbalanced and it will just cause the same masters to be seen over and over again. When you'll be, oh cool, I'm playing Rezzas today, well they're going to have whoever they've declared plus Kirai, for example. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, one of the things that I've heard chatter about is people saying that they would love to see that as not part of gaining grounds, which would you know effectively take it out of competitive play. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. I, I, I don't want to take anything away, and I want people to have the option to do whatever they want in their games. But in, in terms of competitive play, where it should be as balanced as it can be and as fair as it can be. I think it's too open to abuse, and I think it's it's also going to be stale very quickly with people using the same masters that make excellent choices over and over again. Yeah, and and we saw that staleness towards the tail end of you know uh, the second edition, right, where everybody was starting to kind of figure everything out, and you were seeing the same models over and over again. And I think what's getting me excited about three more than anything is the idea that we're going to see you know a variety that we're going to see different crews by master. Whereas if we're going to always see Lady Justice for every guild crew, we're always going to see McCabe um, that, you know, defeats that benefit. Absolutely. And I'm loving, I'm loving staying sort of more or less in keyword and using different masters all the time. I'm quite notorious for picking a master and playing it to death. Um, Literally in Nico's case, where I think (laughs) probably part of the cause why he is now dead. Um, You're not part of the cause. I'll tell you right now who (laughs) you were responsible. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but I I mean I've been using different masters all the time. I use three different masters across five games at the Welsh GT, and I'm just loving it because actually it is that is what the game is now. And but actually, I you, if I think second masters takes away from that again. Yeah. Um, and the cost maybe the cost just isn't high enough because actually is it if you want to hire an out of keyword minion for one soul stone, it's could you should you be able to hire an out of keyword master for one soul stone? I don't know. But we had so much to play test during the betas. It was hard to just address. You were just sort of. It was hard to focus on second masters as a, as a thing as well as trying to balance all the models. Yeah, and I haven't done it yet. Um, more because I just have not gotten a ton of games in. Um, but I, it doesn't really interest me. But I, I like your point of saying let everybody have their fun. Um, but let's maybe you know set it aside for competitive play. Yeah, that, that's where I don't. I, th- I like it being in the game. I don't think it has a place in competitive play. Jamie, how about his uh, totem? 
So the totem's really cool. He's got the research assistant. Um, it's a manipulative model, again, with studied opponent. It's got a nice buff on it, which is friendly models within three inches get plus one to their move, which is always useful. Some of the Transmortis models, actually, to be fair, most of them are about average, but the plus one move actually turns them into a pretty speedy crew when you're looking at fast and pushes from Albus as well. Um, most of the reason, well, most of what it's going to be doing in its activation is its shockwave attack, which yeah. for a totem is a damage two, poison one which is pretty impressive for a totem. Um, it's got a couple of cool triggers. Uh, drop a second shockwave marker, and the other trigger is to drop a scheme marker. So, wow. again, more scheme manipulation. Um, it's just nice. Like, it's, do you know what? It's not, it's not setting the world on fire with anything, but it's a solid model. Um, it's got a bonus action for Vile Reclamation with a, a surge trigger on a tome if you can get it, but as target gains injured one and this model heals one, I generally end up just trying to pop that off on something for some more injured again. He, he works nicely with the crew. He's just a solid model. You get him for free, so you're always going right. to use him. Yeah, and what's the range on that shockwave? The range on shockwave is eight inches. That's really strong. For a free totem, that's strong. Yeah, the damage two, poison one, solid. Effectively three damage. So yeah. it's pretty solid. All right, that's cool. All right, so let's take a quick break, uh, Jamie. When we get back, I want to get a sense of how much the pool, the strategies and schemes are impacting your Transmortis builds. We'll be right back. So Jamie gave us a kind of a, a good feel for you know his core crew and some of the models he's always bringing in. But uh, what I'm always fascinated, what really makes Malifaux unique is how much the pool or the strategy impacts the builds. So Jamie, of the four strategies, is there one strategy that pops up and makes you immediately think of Albus? Not really, actually. I think Albus can do more or less any of them. I, he, he prefers the sort of more central ones, so like a turf war where you want to be aggressive and across the other side of the board. Plant explosives, again, the, the, those two are the ones where you want to play on the opponent's board half because it get, makes you so, in much of a, so much more of a stronger position. And Albus does that really well. If you take three undergraduates, you've got Valedictorium, you push Valedictorium forward, get her over the other side of the board, walk Anna forward twice, and then those undergraduates can just ping forward with by your side off those models, and suddenly you've got most of your crew in the opponent's board half turn one. Yeah, that's, that's great. And you're dropping bombs or flipping markers. Exactly, exactly. So it's really, really solid, at those ones. He can do any of them with the movement he's got. He's got Necropunks, which are obviously excellent scheme runners. Undergraduates can be excellent scheme runners, so he can compete in Corrupted Idols, but he probably wouldn't be my first pick. That would be where I'd draw for Molly. Mm-hmm. But Reckoning is probably one I would turn to Albus the most, just for the, the just solid models that he's got in the crew. They are all armor one. They're all hard to wound. They've all, they're all tanky. If you put the bone piles in for healing as well, they hang around, and it makes it quite hard for you to get points off it. It's a, a great combination into Reckoning is having tanky models that are dish and damage. Exactly, yeah. And then you've got, with the card draw and then the ability to just do scheme markers without wasting actions, you can spend your entire time killing models. That's that's cool. Um, can you give me kind of your ideal scheme pool um, to give me an idea of what schemes uh, you'd love to see with an Albus uh, game? Yeah, um, detonate charges, solid breakthrough. I'd, 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 it'd be easier to list things I don't want to see, to be honest. Um, yeah, let's, let's do that. Then. I don't think there's really any of those. Deliver a message is 
one that I don't like seeing because Albus is quite static. He sort of walks a little bit forward and then he's planted there, and the rest of the crew aren't really that close to him to keep him keep him keep things away. Um, they sort of sit. He wants to be about six inches behind where they are. Um, Vendetta is pretty, pretty because they're tanky models. It's quite easy for your opponent to take them below half without risking the kill on them. So, but again, he's quite good at doing these things because his lower end models can get a lot of action action efficiency. An undergraduate can quite easily pop in and take a model under half wounds, and then if you if you do that right at the end of the turn, it can buy your side out of there to keep itself safe as well. So he's Albus. Albus can do a bit of everything. And that's that's where I think his strength is. He's so efficient. He's got a lot of ways to do things without wasting actions like normal peasants in Malifaux will have to do. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, he still you still have to play the game. And it's 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 a nice it's a really interesting balance. Actually, I really like Albus and where he's ended up. But he yeah, he more or less can do can do any of it. The scheme marker ones, he wants them more to, more to be where your opponent is. So something like detonate charges, dig the grave, right. something like that. Um, more than breakthrough, but he can totally do it with the necropunks, and even an undergraduate can go flying up the board. That's that's cool. Um, let's talk about you know first turn. Um, you know, in a lot of games, you know, over time, uh, you can have kind of a typical first turn. Have you noticed? You know, you're kind of going through the same routine uh, with Albus turn one or his crew turn one. Sometimes, I mean, it it depends what what game you're playing, but. Albus will normally be one of the first activations in the turn because um, it'll allow you to react to what your opponent's doing. So you'll you'll activate Albus, you'll do the six-inch push and focus, so you've got loads of focus out there ready to go. So if you do get an early opportunity to kill, you can get that high mod severe damage that the, the models have got on their cards. Um, he'll hand an upgrade out to someone, which will usually be Valedictorian, but sometimes Anna, depending on what you're playing against and where, where you think you're going to be able to kill a model. Um, and then he will give something fast that's had that's got an upgrade, and then he'll walk forward. And actually, that's something we didn't talk about is upgrades that you, that I might take because Albus actually I almost always put the whisper on. Oh wow! Because the whisper gives intuition, which for Albus he's got the the bonus action to hand the upgrade out needs a crow, but actually it's a really low card that it needs. So being able to look at those cards may save you a stone. Um, it also can tell you if you've got the Black Joker in there, which for Albus, if you Black Joker, that's that summon upgrade. That's the only chance you get to do it. And it's um, it also gives research, research specimens. So if he kills a model, he gets to draw a card, which is a bit more card drawing the crew, which is always welcome. And so definitely worth the two stones. Yeah, absolutely. On Albus, yeah, because it can save you two stones in, in your bonus action alone. That's very, very nice. All right. So we're going to take another break, uh, Jamie. When we get back, I want to give a little treat to those non-Rezzer players, which is, you know, how do you potentially take down Albus? We'll be right back. Okay, so we are definitely getting a sense of just how flexible um, this Transmortis crew is and their ability to... Uh, react and you know figure out what needs to happen, then make it happen, um, which is fantastic if you're playing Albus, uh, Jamie. Can you give a little bit of uh, breadcrumbs to the people out there that might be facing Albus and uh, what they should maybe consider doing to mitigate um, all of that power? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the Albus Albus is a really interesting one to play against. He comes at the game kind of sideways, which is quite fun. Um, but you've just got to look at what he's trying to do and, and counter it. So. Kill the model with the upgrade. 
don't don't risk it. Don't risk that model killing one of your models and trading. Pick the model that's got the upgrade will usually be one that's buffed, so it'll have fast. And actually, the advice of pick a model and kill it is just, especially for the way I play Albus, where I want the heels to keep the models around. The models are really tanky. Pick one, kill it, move on. Pick one, kill it, move on. If you get an opportunity to go to Albus, go for it. But you you, you need to not have stunned on you, otherwise there's just no point going for it. So kind of a focused fire. Pick pick your targets and eliminate them. Yeah, you don't want to leave him the opportunity because you have to put a lot of effort in to take one of the models down because of the armor and the harder wound. They've all got high wound count as well. So you need to just, if you're putting the effort into attack a model, you need to make sure you do it. Conditions don't really work very well against the crew because Albus can remove them so efficiently. And obviously, I, I, I always hire at least one bone pile anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of condition removal in the crew. So conditions aren't a great way to go about it. Um, there's focus in the crew, so your neg flips aren't going to do as huge amount as well. It's just literally got to be pick a model, kill it. The crew's not normally very big because it invests heavily in the, the high point models quite often. So the if you can pick and take out those key models, it, it's going to really start to fall apart quite quickly. How, how much does he rely on his hand? Is, is putting pressure on his hand um, something people should try to do? He doesn't really rely on it a huge amount, and he's got some fairly... The card draw is really interesting with him, so it it's it's either going to be amazing or terrible. So you're, I played a game the other day where turn two, the card draw just went off, and it was I drew like seven cards turn two, and it just completely spun the game. Um, and then I played another game at the Welsh GT with Albus where I drew one card in the key turn, and I really needed it. Um, and that is that, and it, it's it kind of that balancing factor to it. But putting pressure on his hand is risky because actually, I mean, it's always good to deprive your opponent of cards. Don't get me wrong, but Albus has the potential to get them back. And actually, you might be doing an attack on him to try and get rid of a card, which you flip the same suit as him, and actually, he's just going to draw a card straight afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. I mean, just the act of engaging and having an opposed duel uh, potentially could just help him. Yeah. Yeah, and especially depending on who you're attacking, if they've got built-in triggers as well, it's and it actually at that point you're like, cool. Well, do I want to cheat a card in to prevent that? And then at that point, you're the one that's losing cards. Right, right. Um, so it doesn't come up very often, but it's a really interesting interaction. It's quite often I just say, oh, I'm going to draw a card from this, and then just sort of take a moment to look at my opponent and watch them process whether they want to cheat <laughs> a card out of their hand to stop me drawing a card. Yeah, I can guarantee that's going to be one of those abilities that I'm going to forget. Uh, so I'm going to have to like tattoo it to the front of my hand um, <laughs> to remember it when it happens. Um, well, I got to say, man, I have really not seen him in the wild yet. Um, probably won't, obviously, until the crew box gets out there. Um, I haven't seen anybody proxy it. And uh, I haven't had a chance to play him. And I play Rezzers, Jamie, so you've gotten me very excited. But before we kind of wrap up, I do need to steal a couple more minutes from you. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, you played in a tournament. And you got to the final round and you were up against a friend of the show, uh, James Doxey. Um, and uh, we were hoping to kind of do a recap with Luke and talk about the tournament and, you know, round by round, but we were unable to kind of get that scheduled. But I was hoping that you could kind of talk through that uh, top table third round uh, uh, matchup against Doxy. Yeah, it was it was an, a pretty interesting game, actually. And do you know what? They, I, I, I was talking to James about it afterwards and we both took a crew that actually was going to be near impossible for either of us to deny a, deny any points from it. It was plant explosive, so you can both be scoring every turn. Um, I was running Molly with th- three Night Terrors, two Krooligans, with taking schemey schemes, and James had 
Carlos, uh, he had uh, wing gammon. He was getting his schemes, and there wasn't really anything I could do about it. And it was just just became this absolute. One of us needed to try and deny one point somewhere mm. to try and swing the game. And actually, we both managed up to denying one point uh, to to just then end up in a draw still. Um, but the game was amazing. Just the movement tricks. It was just it was almost like a dance on the table. It was quite because Molly's crew is so mobile, especially with the night terrors and the Krooligans. Um, and the board was quite heavy with terrain, with big terrain as well. So Molly's Lee's caress wasn't doing a huge amount, but James had taken care of us. So he had Molly's marker removal coming into play. There was so much going on in that game. It was really, really interesting. Yeah, that sounds great. And, and it um, what's what's fun about Malifaux, among other things, is because of that depth, um, it's really, really exciting, I think, to, to go up against a player of sim- similar skill level um, because it's, um, you're not, you're not winning just because somebody made a dumb mistake because few dumb mistakes happen. And that battle of wits was interesting. What was the final score? Nine, nine, uh, no, it or, wasn't or it seven, was, seven. I mean, uh, I think it was five, five, maybe. I think we only, I think we only got to turn four, but there was, a, I think that's because there was a lot going on in the game, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a phenomenal game. I really enjoyed it, but there was, yeah, there was so much, there was so much going on and there were so many things we both had to be aware of with the, obviously the pyre markers all over the place and then but molly's ability to remove them james had to remember Lee's caress um molly uh Karis's ability to sort of pick my models up and relocate them so that he could pick up bombs and scheme markers and then my ability to teleport models and push models for free and reactivate them it was just it was an absolute mind breaker of a game it was so good yeah, that's the that's just the best. And a few weeks ago, we released uh, a deep dive uh, that James did for Karis. Had you faced her before? Um, I hadn't, no, but I'd I'd heard a lot about her, and I know James was doing well, so I had looked her up a little bit. And kind of, what's your take on on her? Do you think she's going to be uh, a, a master? We're going to see competitively. I do. Yeah, I think she is phenomenal. Um, she's got a lot going for her. She effectively gets four AP each turn because of run and gun. The pyre markers are phenomenal, and that you can't really ignore them with incorporeal. Actually, I, that is one thing I did do in that game. I did take Archie and two bone piles for Numskull, so that they could just walk through the pyre markers because they don't ignore the pyre markers, but they can't gain the condition. So it gets around Keras's sort of you can't ignore the pyre markers ability. How do you feel? And this kind of makes I, I can see you know when you you know you declare Res, he declares Arcanist, and then you reveal your masters before you build the crew. Um, and knowing it's Karis, those seem like great picks for the crew um, for that numbskull. What do you? How do you feel about that? Because that's new in third edition, where you reveal your masters before you build the crew. I really like it until the point you remember you can hire a second master. Um, I, as a mechanic, I really like it. I think, I think there's a lot of masters in M three which, if you don't know it's coming and don't prepare your crew, you will get absolutely wrecked. Um, if you don't take condition removal against Brewy or Keris, for example, or Colette, if you don't have the ability to deal with certain mechanics, you will get wrecked and you will have a really bad time. So I think the ability, the the, the fact that you know what master you're facing beforehand, but after you've picked your master, gives you a degree of flexibility, but not too much. 
Yeah. And that's the one point I was making because I was arguing with somebody about this and they said, you know, all that's going to do is create a big game of rock, paper, scissors. And I said, I don't know if I agree with that because you've picked, you've committed to your master. And if you're going to do a whole bunch of counter picks to their master, it's going to get expensive because you're probably going to have to go out a keyword. Yeah. If you want to, if you, if you go, if you get it really, really wrong, you could cost yourself a whole model's worth in the, in the extra soul stone tax, which may, which might actually end up being your undoing. Um, yep. But again, I think the, the positives of declaring your master in advance are a little bit undone by the ability to hire a second master. But that is that is a, a question for another day, probably. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jamie, I hope to uh, talk you into coming on again. Um, I really enjoyed this. And uh, if someone wants to uh, uh, follow uh, follow you a little bit and uh, hear more from you, where, where are some places they can go? Well, they might one day be able to hear more on the Flipping Weirds Malifaux podcast, um, but that that would rely on us to stop playing Malifaux for five minutes to sit down and record it. Um, but I'm on Twitter at Flipping Weirds. Um, anyone in the UK, we've got a UK massive Malifaux UK messenger chat. So anyone who plays Malifaux in the UK is welcome to join that and get involved. We just talk about Malifaux all day and, and literally the best thing about it is if you want to talk about Malifaux, there is someone on that group that wants to talk about Malifaux at the same time, which is sometimes in, you know, your local community group chats, you'll get on it and you'll just be like, oh, no one's, no one's about, no one wants to talk about it. There's enough people on there that someone will want to talk about Malifaux, which is awesome. That, that is awesome. And, and I, I, we have a one for uh, the North Carolina meta. And I think it's part of the reason we have a healthy meta is that we have constantly are talking and throwing at ideas at each other and exchanging, you know, thoughts. And it's all about Malifaux. Uh, I did not know you guys in the UK were doing that. That's cool. Yeah. I've, so I initially put the idea just out there and uh, it just sort of, it's got, it got, it's become a bit of a Royal Rumble, which isn't for everyone because obviously it gets a bit mad if everyone's talking at the same time, but it's just awesome to be able to check in. And if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. Um, and it's good. I'd like to see something on a wider scale, but Messenger definitely doesn't work for that. So it's, um, it, yeah, it's just it's just promoting, trying to promote community growth in the UK at the moment through this massive chat. That's very cool. All right, Jamie, I'm going to have links to all of that stuff uh, in the show notes, and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right, thanks for having me. All right, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on The Third Floor.